Yeah. Hey. I was going to say you've reached the librarian is in like an answering machine. So you have reached the librarian is in the New York Public Library's podcast about books, culture, and what to read next. I'm Frank. And I'm Crystal. And please leave a message at the tone. (laughs) There we go. Complicated start to a very simple homey podcast, right? Cozy. It's rainy out. Mm -hmm. We have our virtual backgrounds up, uh, matching ones. So it feels like we're in the same rainy cafe. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about books, culture, and what to read next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know it is rainy, but warmer. It's been very cold. Yeah, definitely. Which it is winter. So what do you expect, kids? I know. And then didn't you see that that groundhog died before he was going to tell us if winter was ending. <laughs> so it's the just ground, like winter forever. <laughs> the groundhog was just like, you're on your own kids. I, <laughs> I don't even want to play anymore <laughs> because we cannot plan for the future. I think we've learned that over the last two years. Oh, Planning yeah. for the future is a fool's game. I found a, um, something in my calendar I scheduled to like look up plane tickets to like a tropical island. And I was like, Oh, this was from before Omicron. I must delete this yeah. now because it's not happening. That's the thing. You can do the, I guess you can do the best you can. What was, what was I thinking about yesterday related to that? Um, about decision-making. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I'm having, I mean, I'm always very collaborative and I think, 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 about decisions related to the library mm-hmm. and my life, I guess, but more of the library. Um, and I felt like I've had a hard time. And I think maybe it's partly the isolation and not being at my regular library, which is c- coming closer where they're cleaning up now at the Je- Jefferson market. They're not, um, they're, construction sort of done they're just doing the big cleanup which is sort of exciting to see Mm -hmm. yesterday i saw some spaces that were cleaned and it was like oh we're alive again we're coming alive so i was very heartened by that but i don't know i what i was saying about decision making i feel like it's been it's been harder because i can't talk to people as much in person Everyone seems so distant, like people who have control over certain finances, stuff like that. But whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. It'll be fine. I I will make decisions, especially as deadlines loom. And I guess there are deadlines because we Mm -hmm. are going to open at some point soon. Well, well, cleaning is going to take a while. And then the staff has to get back here and make set everything to rights so it might be a couple of months still but it it looks firmer than before because before the construction was still happening and there were supply chain delays and things Mm -hmm. like that and then you know obvious you know positive cases amongst the construction crew i mean that happens Mm -hmm. like it did does for us at the in the libraries you know Mm -hmm. some branches have to close some have to have reduced hours but you know what that's drawing to a close because this spring, everything will be reborn anew, and we will march bravely into the future full of life, friendship, and love, <laughs> and books. Let's, like, knock That's on goods to make sure this happens. <laughs> do I, I have something wooden around me? Do I have any wood around? I think I do. My head! Yes. <laughs> uh, I know. But there you go. Um, what's, that, what's happening in your world, dar- darling? <laughs> Same. That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of job stuff, a lot of decision making for sure. Um, but also like hopeful for the future, right? Um yeah. trying to not let the negativity win. Um, but sometimes it's hard. But yes, I think just having more sun in the spring and summer will will do wonders, if nothing else. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. There's nothing to say about that i mean i don't want to go down that road it's just going to be like well there's more variants <laughs> but um i think it's just like whipping its way and gonna 
hit the road soon. <laughs> yeah, I really hope so. I was thinking about this the other day about like just what life was like pre-pandemic and how um, like we would do like staff meetings, gatherings and and social events and how we just took all of that for granted. I don't know. I mean, ever go to a bar again. I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, there will. I there probably. I mean, we're so used to it that there probably will be some like. Well, we're so close to each other. <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. weird, you know. But um, every nothing stays the same, and we get you can get used to anything as we know. Yeah. You know, wearing masks, things like that. Like we never thought we would do that, and we are. Um, but I was going to say something. Uh, oh, I forgot. You said something about optimism. Yeah. Plane tickets to Tropical Islands. No, going to a bar again. Oh, oh yeah. um, I've been trying to get this like audio visual upgrade like at, at Jefferson Market. to. Sh- mm-hmm. I want to show like movies and surround yes. sound and have like high def and mm-hmm. just get like a real theater experience. And mm-hmm. Because my point of view has always been about the library is to bring people in yeah. to the spaces and, and to have some value that would be added to people's lives by that. Um, it wasn't so it wasn't about computers and online stuff as you probably can figure out, mm-hmm. but I know that our online meetings and programs and things like that will probably will be a part of our landscape. I mean, yeah. there are people who attend New York public library programs from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we can lose that in some ways, but my focus has always been that in person. So I was doing, getting quotes for this project and all the vendors were like, you know, Oh, so do you want like streaming capability and to stream these programs? And I've always been like, people have asked, have you recorded programs at at Mm -hmm. my particular library? And I'm always like, Nope, you had to be there. Mm -hmm. And I just had a sort of superior, sorry, you have to come, you have to come in um, Uh to experience the glory. Uh, And now it's like, like, uh, should I record these? Who should? I don't know. I you should record them. You know what? If so many people will be doing it, and I don't have to because there are brand. You know, it doesn't matter what branch is doing the program if you're going remote because mm-hmm. you're not going to the branch. You can go to a program that's offered by a branch in the Bronx and be, you know, halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. So I want to be known as the sort of you got to come into this beautiful building yes. and enjoy your fellow colleagues and yes. neighbors and and experts and have a good time. And that's what I want. You know, you got to focus on something. I'm sure the staff and I will be doing online stuff. Of course. Um, I already know like a colleague of mine is like, has this like great book discussion online. She wants to keep it online because it's most people from all over the place who can't travel as easily. And that's fair. It's a balancing act as anything else in life. But I I want to focus on my passion and, but we'll see. Like I said, plan, you can't plan. Like who knows where I'll be. I'm staring at myself on the screen. I can't stand it. Um, So, you know, one day at a time, we'll see where we go with this. Well, I know several people who are very excited for Jefferson Market to reopen because they keep asking me that question. Your roommate? (laughs) Yes. Um, Constantly. Um, I was going to say, like, you know, with the recording of different programs, like live programs, I totally respect the idea of, like, wanting to just have people come in and, like, inhabit the physical space. I also think it's worth doing just for archival purposes, just to have for yourself, right, and for the history of Jefferson Market. I think that's also kind of amazing. Um, um, so consider it maybe for some, yeah. if you have, like, a really great author come in or presenter record it and, and archive it. Or you know, I guess my thing is that I want to not just have this static sort of like one shot streaming thing. I want to, mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm going to record something, I want it to be spectacular, you know, and well done and like shot, like by film students who know what they're doing uh-huh. and, you know, things, maybe I could do that actually. Yeah. In other words, add value to it rather than just like this sort of, you know, dead shot of an author on a stage with heads, mm-hmm. backs of heads that you see. And so you want a camera crew to but I also like the around. Yeah. Like I, I always want big stuff. I always want it all. That's, yes. that's probably the other thing about decision-making with projects is that I want to just do everything. 
Mm-hmm. Everything I want to do, I want to do. But of course, there's limitations like budget and stuff like that. So it's hard to decide amongst my baby ideas about who to pick. Um, well, I would watch a Jefferson Market documentary. Make that happen. Well, I, we. Oh, that's so sweet of you. I we ha- I actually have been working with a honest to goodness filmmaker who has mm-hmm. done short films that we've put on Instagram and are on the YouTube channel about um, the about the library and they their vision is to actually do a bigger incorporate that into a bigger documentary which I want to do again see if we can do that in the new in this year um, or coming up mm-hmm. um, and you know, the videos were sort of designed to also just keep people aware of the Jefferson market and that we're coming back, we're coming. So we had like a little tour of the tower. We had, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. of really cool, well shot, beautiful videos. And, but I've realized I've made myself a liar so many times because, you know, the opening date has been pushed back. And I think one of the videos says opening early winter or late fall. (laughs) And it's now, midwinter so well did this say late fall 2021 because you could just add in the 2022 if you need I know, to i know but that's the way it goes yeah you know yeah it's the way it goes yeah and i think that the delays are expected as you said because yeah. there have been so many supply chain issues <laughs> i mean the public yeah. it's yeah the public has been good about it that i run into on the street they're usually very like <laughs> I get it i get it and it's true it's it's hard to tease mm-hmm. out the the problems because there's so many it's like oh the pandemic the supply mm-hmm. chain issue the natural construction problems so it's like there's all these elements that it's like you can't really look at one and say that's the reason why yeah because it's like oh right staff uh, construction staff is out because of the pandemic or oh right supply chain stuff mm-hmm. you know? i ordered a dictionary stand for the branch that i'm a dictionary Probably. stand. Wait, what's that? Well, I want to do like an art book display on it, have open books on it and attract people who can stand there and leaf through a big art book that might not want to haul oh, out. Oh, yes. I love <laughs> and that. And it still hasn't arrived because it's just like, you know, sitting in a container like a, offshore. Mm-hmm. Like a so, podium? Yeah. Have you seen one of those old, hmm, I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's like a wheel that has a bunch of different like book stands on it. You can spin <laughs> Maybe I'm making this up. Maybe this isn't a real thing. I'm going to have to find a picture and send it to you. I thought it was like a something I saw online. Okay. Maybe I'm making this up. Wait, what do you, what is it? Like a book. I'm going to try to Google this. Um, I think I saw one that was maybe like a historical object, right? Like online. I'll have to find it later. Just f- Calm down <laughs> and focus. What do you mean a wheel? Thinking <laughs> out of breath. Okay. Oh wait, wait. I have a picture. It's called a book wheel. It was invented in 1588, oh. according to Wikipedia. Because this is just what I just googled by an Italian military engineer, Agostino Ramelli. Um, here I'll send you the link of it, <laughs> and I think you should have it remade for Jefferson Market. <laughs> huh. Here, well, the link. You did. Okay, it's in the chat now. <laughs> um, Can well, you imagine somebody sitting there with a chair oh, and see. just flipping through this wheel full of like? <laughs> I see. The, I want that. We should post this picture on the blog post because it's sort of cool. Actually, it's my very cool. Was um, my description like, not good enough, Frank? I didn't understand. <laughs> I thought you, I was one. thinking of like a podium where you stand in front of it and this wheel spins in front of you. But it's well, it is similar. You're like the the round part is facing away from you, and the sort of side mm-hmm. part, like a water wheel, is sort of fa- mm-hmm. face face. The round part is facing away from you, and then sort of the interior of the wheel is facing the person seated. So like a water wheel, the books, uh, as you spin it, pass mm-hmm. you by. We'll have to post a picture of that. So but in, you know what in, you just did? Yes. Is what I was saying earlier about missing is just what you just did, is that talking to someone in casual conversation, I brought up the book stand, the dictionary stand randomly, and then you sort of had this I thought an idea that may or may not come to fruition, but that's where I really thrive is when someone says, Oh, I saw this, this wheel book wheel thing. And that would be like, even if I don't employ that, it sort of inspires me. 
because mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh, that's it. I would not, I have never seen such a thing, and it could turn into some other idea. And w- whether it does or it doesn't is not totally important. It's actually the process, and that, that's the process I like. What you just did, and that wouldn't mm-hmm. have happened. I guess. Well, we are online. <laughs> um, I guess, but we're talking, you and I. I guess I could, but oh, we have to stop talking about this. Wait, the videos um, are wait. Oh, so it says, and there's a modern reproduction um, of the book. In life, like I would just walk over to someone in the library and a colleague and start talking or they would come to me or I would say, what do you think of this? And they would say that. That seems, that's harder to organize. Now you have to organize it. It's like, well, you're at a different branch. I'm in a different branch. Can we, our schedule's there, match Mm -hmm. so we can go to Jefferson Market. And and it's too much Michigas, but um. Thank you. You just sort of illustrated the point I wanted to make early. I made earlier about this is how I love working, and that's doesn't always work online. It's so what you're saying everything yeah. I do is in service of proving your point. Got it. Got mm-hmm. it, Frank. <laughs> or you reaffirm my beliefs, my belief system. Yes, good. All right, let's. Wait, 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 before before we move on, I just want to let you know that apparently there are modern reproductions of this wheel in Rochester, New York. So we should go visit. All right, the producer will have to link this picture in the chat (laughs) because it's sort of cool. It is very, I'm going to put that on Insta, my darling, I think. Okay, you should on Instagram also have a, like a clock that, that goes down until when Jefferson Market opens so that my roommate can stop asking me this question. (laughs) Just say... Well, I'm not going to say. Okay. I have to ask, how did you come across this wheel thing, this book wheel? How did you even get there? Just fussing around? All sorts of things passed through my Twitter, Reddit, Instagram feed. Um, So books, 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 McBooks. Um, McBooks. (laughs) McBooks. So I, I sort of had a great time. Oh, did you? The book I read, yeah, really? I think you're going to be quite intrigued. It's unexpected in a way. What? Wait, before we get into that, was that was the Jefferson Market thing the thing that you were trying to tell uh, me and Chrissy earlier? What? That you wanted to tell us during the? Oh I, no! All right. What? No, I was going to say is that you know how we read books together every uh-huh. other week or every once in a while, and uh-huh. I am. This is my big announcement. Um, (laughs) That might be problematic or put a, it might put a crimp in those plans because I've with a colleague I met at Battery Park City, the library I'm currently working at while Mm -hmm. waiting for Jefferson Market. um, She and I want to read Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy. So it's 800 pages. Um, It's a book I've always wanted to read. Mm-hmm. She was she was excited about it. So I'm sort of mm-hmm. cheating on you, I guess, Crystal. Um, I know, it sounds like. I know. It does sound so like I'm trying to be like, the, don't hate me, honey. I love you so. But the I next have recording. I know. Like We're book, not going to read promiscuity. the book together because uh, you're reading a book with somebody else is what I'm hearing. Well, she's doing it as a public program, actually. She's that doesn't doing make it, it her, better if you're doing it publicly. And I said I, I would join her because we sort of bonded in lots of ways. I mean, oh she, my like, God. Like I said, well, like, but wait, like I said before about how I thrive and in, in wow. personal collaboration, like I worked with her and she, she and I worked on these projects at Battery Park that were so much fun. And so I got, I know, see, I my, so, I, this right so sketchy. I, yeah. So I'm anyway, going to so, be, you see me dabbing my tears away. I mean, this is mostly from allergies, but it's also be tears of pain. Yeah, but I'll melt it for all it's worth. Um, <laughs> yeah. So she did, she's her group, her book group wanted to read a class, cl- more classics yeah. and they decided on that one, Anna Karenina. So she, this colleague of mine wants to do it in person in February and March. Like it's going to be read. It's 800 pages. So we're reading it in installments of like 200 pages. So we'll have like four sessions of this discussion group, Yeah, which may end up online or not. And I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it always makes me anxious because then I, how am I going to work the podcast and all that? And I just thought, well, you know what? I'm not faking it. Like I'm going to be real. And if I talk about Anna Karenina for the next three podcasts, you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> So that's why I'm going to be preoccupied with that. So the the thing is, you can join in. And oh, God. I knew this was coming. 
She's like, I don't want to read a heavy <laughs> Russian novel of 800 pages. 800 pages. And I already know what happens at the end. I don't want to read it. That's a great point. Because I do, too. Of course, a lot of people know what happens at the end. They've seen the yeah. movie or they just heard it in the culture. But part of what I discussed with this colleague is that it might be it might be an interesting experience knowing what's coming. You sort of yeah. see the clues or or it's a different experience. I don't usually like knowing a thing about a book, but it's 800 pages. So I'm really curious to see the execution. It's not just like bump, but bump, bump. And then she mm-hmm. does what she does, Anna Karenina. Um, so I'm, I was into I committed. I committed, my darling, Crystal. I committed. So that's going to be my preoccupation over the next bunch of weeks. So How many weeks? I want to know how long this affair is going to last. I I mean, I've already started it, and I did read another book Uh this time because I couldn't resist. Usually I can't, like I've said before, I can't read more than one book at a time. I feel very (laughs) loyal, shall I say. Uh Uh Um, And also in terms of concentration, like I want to just focus on one Mm-hmm. But I actually could not resist the book I read for today. Um, so it might happen again. I just want to give a heads up that I'm going to be mostly okay. preoccupied with Anna Karenina. And I will just talk about it. But I also want to read more articles that interest are interesting. Like we brought, mm-hmm. I brought up the one before, um, the trauma article um, in Harper's. So mm-hmm. I'm going to work it. But that's my preoccupation. You can do as you please. So hopefully we'll, we're going to have more guests. Um, Mm-hmm. certainly coming up but i'm going to be sort of out of crystal frank read together commission this is like breaking all the rules but you know it, what it, reading is organic it happens the way it happens mm-hmm. and it really proves the other point about i was with the colleague who i got uh-huh. very close to we worked very closely together and i was like i, I want to do it she got me excited because we were oh, in God. person talking mm-hmm. and, I, and she got me excited about it and that's how i how i thrive i think how a lot of us thrive like with other people so it wasn't cheating on you. It was more just like, you know, polyamorous. Right. I mean, <laughs> I that's fine. Polyamory. <laughs> the Frank Hilarious story. Um, please, darling, don't don't make me feel guilty. <laughs> You're an emo- emotional manipulator. <laughs> All right. That said, let's leave that aside for a moment. Your uh-huh. hurt feelings can come out when you read my tarot cards. The- or I do. We should talk about the books we read already. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, oh, um, are, you, are you deferring to me? Age oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 I'm deferring <laughs> to you because I was about to mute to blow my nose. Sorry, <laughs> mute to blow your nose and I'll start talking. So, guess what I read? I read a review of a new translation of this book um, in The New Yorker, and it made me really interested to read the book and the book is dun, 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 Bambi <laughs> wait hold on what Bambi the, like the Disney movie See, well the- that's the thing is oh, I didn't know about this that Bambi the Disney movie was based on a book written in the 20s by an Austrian author named oh dear <laughs> Felix Felix oh, sorry. Felix book? Salton show me the oh, cover this is one version that the library has. I mean. Oh, so it really is about a deer. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unless it's like uh, a metaphor. It, it's basically. It, what? Oh, it, unless it's like a metaphor for something else. Like well, that's the thing. It's it's called Bambi, A Life in the Woods by Felix mm-hmm. Salton. It was written in the early 20s, 1923, and translated in English in 1928 because it was written in German. Mm-hmm. Um. And I had no idea, like the the legend of the Disney movie just took over and and sort of put the book aside. Like it was popular in the twenties, but it wasn't. It didn't persist through the. Well, it's still in it's still in print. And and uh, the thing about the review that I read that made me interested to read it was that um, it it just recently came into the public domain. If for a hundred years it was uh, not, so there's one translation by Whitaker Chambers, which is the one I read. And there's a brand new translation that's coming out in February, I believe. Um, but I just, from the review, I just had to read it. I was mm-hmm. like, I want to see what this is about. And it was an incredible experience, I must say. I mean, it's, I remember the Disney version for the mom, the mom's death, of course. Like, you know, when the mom dies, like Bambi's mother. Did you see the movie? 
Do you remember? Yeah, when it? I was pretty young. Yeah. I remember Thumper. It didn't make a humo- humo- what? Thumper the rabbit. I had a well, little. See, I was going to say, like, Thumper that's toy. the three things I remember most is is Thumper, because he was mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, and the, oh, that for some reason I was obsessed and we used to listen to it in the car on an eight track tape, which was <laughs> drip, drip, drop, little April showers. <laughs> and I don't remember anything else. A song about spring mm-hmm. and April showers. And I just loved that song as a kid. I remember pushing the eight track tape into the car, eight track tape player and listening to that song over and over. Mm-hmm. I know there's something cause it starts with an instrumental of drop sounding like drop, drop, drop drop and then the chorus goes drip drip drop little april showers and that turns into a very chorus like sweeping song but that was what i remembered and i didn't have a particular like love for it in my adult years like look back Mm -hmm. on bambi it was just part of part of the disney landscape that we were all exposed to um but the book was a far different experience Thumper mm-hmm. does not exist in the book, really. Okay. There's a there's a rabbit, but the rabbit's very sad and sort of um, not like enthusiastic, like Thumper. Mm-hmm. But where to begin? I mean, it, it first of all, it is a children's book. It's catalog. Oh, that's my other question. I was like, is this written for adults? Yeah. It, but I guess it's. I guess it. Yeah. I mean, Disney got the rights. I guess and made the movie, but. It is for children, but I guess it's it's part of that, definitely part of that um, culture of when, like Grimm's fairy tales, when children's stories were very dark and and sometimes and violent, um, mm-hmm. to teach morality. I think, like, to sort of capture their imagination and scare them in, in a way to act well. I mean, something that we're probably less inclined to do in, in the culture today. I would think. Um, because you do read it and you think, well, kids, what they what would they make of this? And um, it is pretty harsh. And and I think uh, if a parent wanted to share this book with a kid, I think it would be great if the parent read it to the kid. Because a sort of soothing parental voice telling some of these dark stories in Bambi um, might make it a lot better. But kids can take a lot. Mm-hmm. And they sort of also can turn off when they're like, nope, not, that's too much. Or they can talk about it, but um, and that's probably the most important thing is talk about it with your with your parent. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, it's incredible. I mean, it it's basically a story of a of a deer who's born into the forest mm-hmm. and his you know educational coming of age until he's reaches full maturity. I mean, that's the that's the story in a nutshell, and all his adventures and and. And people, I would say people he meets along the way, but other animals, I mean, there's definitely an interspecies relationships here in terms of like friends with like a rabbit or the pheasants or a squirrel or an owl. And he all interacts. There's no skunk like in the Disney movie named Flower. That was a cute Disney invention. (laughs) Um, But it's, as you can imagine, like something that takes takes place in nature, it's, you know, it's very exultant. And mm-hmm. beautiful like the net the, the natural the nature writing in the book is very beautiful but as you could also imagine as an adult looking at it it's very brutal and it's like discussion of nature i mean you know bambi is born and is described as like unseeing and on shaky legs and mm-hmm. sort of like this very fragile thing that comes into the world and he starts ex- he's very happy at the beginning because he's sort of just learning and he's experiencing the sensory joy of being in the woods and all the animals he encounters and the nature he encounters. And it's also new and exciting and a little mm-hmm. scary, of course, but it gets scarier as, as, as he gets more aware of the world in which he lives. Um, and right away there's, there's um, indications of like the brutality of life and mm-hmm. nature of which we are a part of. Yeah. Where, like you know, for example, like you, his mother is very loving at the when the when Bambi's born, like you know, my darling Bambi, I love you. And but you know, soon enough, when there is an alarm in the woods and everyone runs, all the animals run for safety. The mom runs too, and all she says to Bambi is "run and follow me," but she doesn't stop. Would you expect mm-hmm. a mom to, and take mm-hmm. and be with the kid? She's like, "You move and then go," and then later even. 
as Bambi grows up, uh, he he's always with his mom and um, she does die in the book, like in the movie. Um, but before that, he she disengages. Like there's a part where Bambi is getting older and he wakes up and his mom's not around. Usually she's always around and he's looking mm-hmm. for her through the forest and, and saying, mom, mom, like bleeding mom, mom. And an old stag appears, a adult deer and a male deer that you later find out is probably Bambi's dad, but appears mm-hmm. and just says, your mother doesn't need you anymore. Your mother's not he- here for you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a crazy harsh message, message right? I mean, Bambi mm-hmm. has, has not grown to full maturity. Um, and the stag says basically like, your mom has other things to do. Uh, or what are you afraid of being alone? Which is a huge message in the book. Mm-hmm. This, this idea of being afraid to be alone and that being alone is, is one of the only pathways to true wisdom or understanding of life. It's a very existential book, which is of course, right up my alley. <laughs> um, so I, but I loved it. I mean, I want to mm-hmm. read the new translation to see how they compare. I mean, there's some in- crazy intense scenes. Um, I'm looking at some of the notes that I made, like, Oh, like Faylene, remember Faylene, the, the female, the doe, the female deer. The, that's yeah. The, vaguely. The yeah. Deer, female deer. <laughs> <laughs> A ray of drop of golden sun. <laughs> me. Name I call myself. See, I didn't know I was going to sing that far. Long, long way to run. That is the best musical. So. I know. It's the only one, according to you. But um, <laughs> I Faleen, enjoyed that. <laughs> Faleen is, okay. is in the movie, and she's the young girl, dear Doe, who, you know, you think, oh, that's Bambi's, you know, love partner. And in the movie, you know, they end up having their own little fawns, and Bambi's the king of the forest or whatever. But mm-hmm. in this, it doesn't quite end up that way. And not only that, when they clinch their love for each other, um, it's when Bambi, as he as he's getting older, fights another buck, sort of for domination and also for Faleen's love, mm-hmm. um, and wins. And the other buck sort of is bleeding and sort of slinks away or limps away after Bambi sort of antlers him mm-hmm. in a in a male on male sort of domination fight. And what is Faleen's reaction? Laughter. And not only laughter, when the other buck slinks away and Bambi is victorious, that's the first time Faleen says, I love you. (laughs) After her potential mate dominates Mm -hmm. and then indicates, I suppose, in the natural world that he will be able to protect her Mm -hmm. and protect her possible future children. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy that it, you would not see in the in the Disney movie where the the doe is like laughing when he mm-hmm. wins and the other one's injured, yeah. and then says "I love you." Like she, out of that violence comes her protesting, her professing of her love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of scenes like that. There's a a fox who gets killed by a dog by dogs. It's pretty brutal. Um, and Faleen and Bambi's relationship. <laughs> just fades away in a way like really she even yeah he becomes very solitary which is what i said before about the message of being alone like his Mm -hmm. his fate or not his fate but his um trajectory is guided by the old stag which is his dad really Mm -hmm. um is to to accept the fact that you are alone in the world and that the only way to get through it is to be alone and realize you are only alone. And one t- at one point, Faleen says, you know, we always spend time together. We don't anymore. And he, and Bambi says, I prefer to be alone. And Faleen says, do you, do you love me? And, and Bambi says, I, I don't know. I mean, Bambi, <laughs> I know. I cried twice in this book. Really? I have to tell you, I really did. I cried twice. Was that more or less than in the movie? Like when you watch the movie, have you seen the movie? I saw it as a child like you do. Oh, okay. I don't remember a lot of it. I, at the top, I just said a couple of things I remember. Um, but it, I don't remember all of it. And I'm, you know, like I said, it ends with Bambi with Faleen and their little mm-hmm. new babies, him on a crag, triumphant as mm-hmm. survivor of the forest. But 
the family unit is is uh as you'd imagine in 40s 50s disney you know is completely um reaffirmed mm-hmm. but in this he's alone and not only that at the end he says to a fawn he encounters like you better you're gonna have to you can't be you, you better get your act together because you're gonna be alone too and you have to and that's the end oh. um so he was just like the old buck from the beginning right he's kind of cycle like a yeah like an educational journey and the you know guided by this male dad figure mm-hmm. um but not really guided is he doesn't i mean well that's not true the old stag does give bambi a lot mm-hmm. of advice and and imparts wisdom but it's all to the end of you you must face your life alone and at the end you know the old stag says well there's a great scene where um i didn't even mention where all the animals of the forest mostly regard humans as and whenever they refer to a human being it's always a capital like he always he Mm-hmm. capital H-E, like God mm-hmm. in a way, because mm-hmm. the humans are God, because they come in with guns and they kill animals. Yeah. A lot is made of that. And the a lot is so interesting how they talk about the guns. They sometimes they debate at one point about how the gun is like a an extra hand or the most powerful fire hand. And mm-hmm. then another animal says, no, it's more like a, it's an extra tooth because the tooth bites you. And mm-hmm. they're trying to understand what a gun is. Like It's very well done that way in terms of the naivety of, of or the the animals wouldn't know exactly the culture of the humans, but um, the old stag uh, it shows Bambi that humans are not God. He actually mm-hmm. shows a, a a dead body of a human who is a poacher. You think who is killed by another hunter and says, "See, they die too, like we do." There's another force greater than all of us. It's the only mention of a of a real kind of god, but he but mm-hmm. he wants Bambi to understand that humans are not; they're just biological creatures like the rest of us, and there is something greater than than all of us out there. And you, you know this, and when he knows that, the old stag basically says, "Well, I have to go, and you can't follow because where I'm going, I have to be alone." And he basically, <laughs> he's going to go off into the forest and die, and then oh. Bambi will take over. Yeah, it feels strange to talking about these existential issues and then saying, "Well, then Bambi said," because <laughs> <laughs> Bambi has come to like Bambi's almost like a girl's name now. And I think we associate it with like a, the baby fawn more so than the yeah. adults. Bambi's a dad that he grows to be. I guess is that the name stag? Um, I mean, I was going to read a whole passage, but I guess. People can read, should read it for themselves. There's a standalone chapter mm-hmm. um, that just captured me so much that has nothing to do with Bambi or his friends. It's basically when they're heading into winter, like Bambi's first winter. He was born in the spring, thinks the world is always hot and sunny and beautiful. And then the winters are br- brutal. And, and that's actually where the book shows where the animals turn on each other because food is so hard to find. And like a lot of the friends that Bambi has in the forest are killed mm-hmm. um, by other friends. Um, so it's like, you know, seriously makes that point of like survival first. Um, but there's this one chapter short, two pages, chapter eight, where is two oak leaves on the tip mm-hmm. of a branch talking to each other and the leaves basically say like all our friends have fallen like they've mm-hmm. fallen off the tree mm-hmm. and they they see them at the you know way down below and they are discussing well i guess we're going to fall too and and i wonder what happens when when we when we do and the other leaves is, is just like no one knows i mean none of the leaves that have fallen have come back to tell us what we have to look forward to or what we're looking at and you know, then the other says, well, I'm scared. I, I don't know what it's about. And the other one's like, don't be scared. You know, it'll be okay. And for all the conversation of, and point of the book about you have to be alone to survive, mm-hmm. um, it's the one moment where Felix Salton, the author, indicates another possibility um, or another human strand because the one leaf says to the other, um, you know, do I look terrible? Like, cause you know, leaves turn colors before they fall or die. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one's like, no, you look great. A couple of yellow spots, but you're probably looking at me and I look terrible. Cause I'm all like yellow and 
getting brown around the edges. And mm-hmm. the other one's like, no, 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 you're fine. And then the other leaf is like, you know what? You're, you've always been so nice and so kind to me. And mm-hmm. I'm just realizing, and literally the quote, I'm just realizing now how kind you really are. And then they stop talking for a while. And then one of the leaves says, oh, I, and it's a cutoff. And then he f- falls. <laughs> and then it, the last line of the chapter is, and winter came. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> Is that it one was, part where you cry? Because I almost felt like crying. Right I totally there. did on that one. It's like these two oh leaves talking. And it's the one time in the book, and they're not animals, yeah. interestingly, where it says, like, you've always been so kind to me. I'm just mm-hmm. realizing now how kind you are at their death, basically. And they're basically talking about death. It's like, we don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's coming. And they even say, is it true that, like, Many more of us will follow us. Like after we fall, they'll, they'll, there'll be more, like meaning the leaves will come back and grow yeah. again. And they're like, and the other one's like, yeah, I think so. I mean, the, there is made in the book the, the concept of time because mm-hmm. uh, one of the bugs in the book was like, you know, looking at another animal um, saying, oh, that animal is, is, is immortal. Like she sees 30 revolutions of the sun, like meaning, that animal lives 30 days and mm-hmm. they, that bug says like, we'll see one or two at the most, which is a long enough life for me. Mm-hmm. Meaning they live two days. It's a fly or something. And they live, live two days and that's a long enough life for me. But yet, wow, that one lives 30 days. It sort of captures like a sense of true nature without knowing what's outside of that in terms of society and culture. Mm -hmm. So like I said, when they described, they they never, they never say the word gun. You have to assume it. And how they talk about it when you, and they talk of flashes of fire. So it's sort of an interesting Mm -hmm. way. And then when you, when humans first come on the scene, you're not sure. It sounds like monsters really. You're just Mm -hmm. like, who? and then you realize, Oh, they're just human hunters. There's so much more um, in here, but uh, it's not exactly a what to read next because it's not exactly Happy, happy, but what do you expect from me? Um, I just thought it was great. The author was Felix Salton. Mm, mm. Is that the author? Yes, there's a whole other. I didn't really go there because I saw it this way, but I did. Mm -hmm. The author himself was a Jew, an Austrian Jew in the Mm -hmm. 20s, and he immigrated to Switzerland because Swiss. Swiss were giving free citizen or free full citizenship to Jews who were already being persecuted in Austria. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 10 years later, Hitler would be in power and Mm -hmm. or less. And there was of course already persecution. And Mm -hmm. some critics have seen Bambi as a possible um, sort of an um, allegory for, you know, Mm -hmm. persecuted people and that's my uh, thought. Programs you, and things yeah. like that, and you certainly could do that. You could I, read it that way. Uh, I, when you were first talking about like the way the humans were described with like the, the guns and the capital H and all that kind of stuff, actually, my first thought was uh, like indigenous peoples, right? And so it's interesting yeah. that like I, I did wonder. I was like, what was happening in? this person's like time period and life for them to write a story like this that seems so pointed in the messaging and um, hearing what you say said about um, the fact that he was Jewish and was living during this time. Like it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a book sort of like um, the alchemist by Paulo Coelho, where you, you read it again or read it other times, you get different things from it. Okay. Um, I think. I mean, I I really enjoyed it, though. I mean, I thought okay. it was... I'm very curious to read the new translation to see how it holds up mm-hmm. or compares. Um, but There's a second book. I love Bambi. What? Bambi's Is a sequel Chil- to Bambi? Wait. By the same well, author? Is there, maybe there isn't. Maybe I... So. Is there Bambi's children? Bambi. Oh, yeah, he did. So he composed another book according to his Wikipedia page, based on the character Bambi, titled Bambi's Children, The Story of a Forest Family. Oh. Hmm. 
Interesting. <gasps> I did not know that. Oh, his, sto- his stories, Perry and the Hand of Florence, inspired the Disney films Perry and the Shaggy Dog. So they have oh, yeah, right. him as a source material for a while. Clearly, interesting how Disney came across these writers. I guess he, the books were popular in the 30s, but mm-hmm. he became forgotten, the author. But one of the books was a like a, a nobleman who is because he wrote a lot about animals is forced to live as the dog. Like his soul is in the body of a dog um, who's owned by the archduke. And in the review I read, it's mentioned, and this was much changed for the Disney movie, the shaggy dog. So mm-hmm. yeah, he became this German author became Disney's source material. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I did love Bambi. Anyway, my darling Bambola. Oh, and he, had one of his children's name was Anna Katharina, which is very similar to Anna Karenina. Karenina. She was an actress. He went to live which with her in Switzerland. Which has just triggered me about <laughs> your affair. Um, um, and he lived with her when he went to Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, really interesting, like, right? Yeah, yeah I, I, I was not expecting a children's book <laughs> to yeah. really engage with those existential themes. I know. Um, and I also wonder if it was categorized that way post Disney movie and that's, you know, sort of the presumption of it. Right. But well, you know, our children's librarians really look at books and yeah. decide what goes in the collection, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's no reason why it can't be. Yeah. Um, I can also see this working for like adult audiences too. Oh my God, we it have, for me. We have books that will straddle multiple collections because of Mm -hmm. those reasons. And so, yeah, I guess he's being like the classic section. Yes. So what did you read, darling? So I'm going to, I guess I'll talk about uh, two books. Um, I don't know. I I feel, I'm actually feeling kind of tired because I was like, you took me on such a journey (laughs) with the leaves. No pressure. You don't have to go on and on. I'm more than happy to dominate the show. (laughs) So I'm going to quickly talk about that because I I don't know. I kind of want to like go back and start thinking more about Bambi and those leaves. My God. The oak leaves. I know. I was no, like, that is so compelling. Them. It was like two pages that did that. And I was like near tears. Oh, but, um, but so, so I'll talk about two books and I'll tell you why. So the, the book that I had intended on talking about was uh, Belly of the Beast, The Politics of Anti-Fatness is Anti-Blackness by Deshaun Harrison. I read it on Libby and um, I I think I was in like my auto brain mode. And as soon as I finished, I returned it. And I was like, no, I need this to like take notes on. Oh. Um, and I put myself back in line for it, but it's like a six or seven week wait. So I'm going to just talk briefly about it and hope I get like most of it. Right. Um, so the, the book itself, like it starts off with like a forward with KSA Lehman, who is like one of my favorite writers. Right. So already I'm like, yes, I'm here for it. And it touches on all of these different topics about the intersection of like anti-fatness with anti-blackness. And author goes into desirability politics, like the ideas of uh, thin with a capital H, pretty with a capital P as these kind of commodities that were, we like, learn to value. And that's something, too, that I think Tressie uh, McMillan Cotum in in her book of essays called Thick also really investigates in a really intriguing kind of way that I like, was like, oh, I've like never really thought about beauty as this commodity that we're all kind of trained to sort of engage in, right? And her rejection of that, which I thought was like amazing. Um, and the book also, you know, it, it, it goes through some really difficult subjects. It talks really frankly about the devaluation of the lives of fat people and particularly fat black people. Um, and Eric Garner, George Floyd, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, and how not it was like not only their blackness that uh painted them as a threat, but also their fatness or their their physical size, like Tamir Rice um, being a child, but being portrayed as this person who was very adult-like, blah, 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 um, as a way to justify murder, you know? So it it does go into these, like, really difficult topics. It also uh, provided this other um, example, like Eric Garner being um, described as, like, 
I think in the trials, like frail due to his weight, right? Like, uh, like close to hypertension and like other, other health issues, um, as a way again to justify his murder, like, you know, but, but I think the author makes this point of like, of course, in no police encounter should you come out of it losing your life, but the lives of these people were devalued due to their fatness and their um, blackness. And then another example of like a girl at camp who was made to run, uh, was not able to like, couldn't run anymore, was like, um, her body can take it, I think like collapsed. And the camp counselors just like laughing, having sodas, and she did not get the care she needed and was like passed away for for it. And, and that kind of the evaluation of, of um, fatness and people who are fat. And I think it, it was a really interesting book. It's a pretty short book. Um, it touches on like um, these other different ideas about like the, the cage of, of our bodies, right? And how that kind of constrains people. And I think it's really comparable. So if you have read books like uh, Kiese Lehman's Heavy, Tressie McMillan, Codum's Thick, and Roxanne Gay's Hunger, I feel like this is another book that is really investigating those issues and is a really meaningful book to read and came out very mm. recently. So I like highly recommend it. Um, yeah. And what, just, just mm-hmm. coming off of talking about Bambi and, and hearing that is like just thinking about this sort of, I don't know. I mean, you can almost think of the struggle for domination, like these sort of mm-hmm. willful domination or marginalization or mm-hmm. of people because you can get them out of the way. And like there was a part in Bambi where when Bambi's looking for his mother, a bird flies by mm-hmm. and Bambi's like, have you seen my mother? And the bird barely stops flying and just says, why? What does she have to do with me? And keeps flying. Like, I don't care about your mother. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to survive here. Mm-hmm. And Bambi's alone. And there's several times where you think, like, you know, someone's going to be like, give Bambi consolation. It never comes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not just to name, I guess I've been thinking about that story, about nature's brutality and the brutality of, of animals to animals, humans to humans. I mean, all of us to all of us. And mm-hmm. it's just, it seems so biologically brutal mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then the language comes in to describe further how you can sort of say oh you're this so mm-hmm. and you and the this that you are is bad yeah and so mm-hmm. we're going to keep pushing that image so we stay on top by mm-hmm. example we stay on top and you are always on the sidelines and discardable mm-hmm. you know that's where language really comes in with humans is that mm-hmm. You can even further reify it by saying, oh, I'm this, you're not this, you're that, mm-hmm. and that is not good. And we're going to keep pushing that message to keep you down and keep you aside. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, I think that's you know. a, that desirability politics that Harrison was referencing, right? Mm. Yeah. The commodification of, of those things of, like, uh, how we look, you know. It was really interesting. I mean, that that one was, <laughs> it can be a tougher read. So I feel like people should be in like a, a good headspace for it. And it can yeah. also be triggering for sure um, in the description of those um, police brutality and murder and stuff. So so just be aware of that. Um, I will say that the, the other book I, I did want to talk about very quickly um, is a lot more hopeful. <laughs> Okay. And like, and happy. okay. So it's a manga. <laughs> and it's the last manga? One, yeah. Okay. Yes. Bring us <laughs> well, so, home. So, it's a, a young adult book. Okay. Um, so the, you know, I, I talked about Blue Periods, which I think is a really fantastic one with like these teens in art school. This is another one with high schoolers. It's called Boys Run the Riot. There's only four volumes in it. So it's a short series because I feel like a lot of manga series can be super overwhelming because there's 20, 60 books. This one's by Kito Gaku, if I have that pronunciation correct, hopefully. Came out last year uh, in the US, the translation, and made the NYPL's best books for teens as well as a lot of other lists across the country, including like Yalsa's great graphic novels book list. And it follows a transgender teen Roy, Ro, I'm going to mispronounce it, it's spelled R-Y-O, but I know it's like a one-syllable pronunciation. Oh. Okay. And um, they 
get together with a cisgender teen named Jen, and they decide to essentially start a clothing line called Boys Run the Riots. Um, and this is, and I don't know if it's just like my personal perspective and why I'm drawn to these stories. It has a lot of similarities with Blue Period because it has oh. these teens who are hyper-focused, right, on following their dreams and their passion. And in many ways, especially for boys under riot, um, bucking the conventions, right? And in a lot of ways, failing, right? They they discover, for example, in volume four, um, that they meet this guy who is wearing their shirts uh, on the street, right? And they're like, oh my God, you're wearing our shirt. That's amazing. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't like really like the art but i think it's cool what you're doing i like the passion mm. of you as high schoolers doing this and it, it reminds me of when i was younger when i was also kind of like a young artist etc and uh for for the team to to kind of grapple with that where it's like oh like our art or like the the brand is not what we want it to be but we have to improve so they go to him they're like you know be our master teach us guide us and and he does that and I kind of like like this idea again of uh these teens who are passionate who are like learning who are growing and who just like don't give up even when they are being patronized by adults in different ways right and kind of rejecting that and just still kind of going forward and pursuing their path and I think it's just like a really great lesson like not just for teenagers but for adults too um so I really recommend that one are they told um, that the only way to survive is to be alone um well, I think it's the opposite because I think you know for the main character they don't, I don't think they really fit in until they meet Jen, who is also this kind of like odd character who kind of comes off as a bully, but actually just really re- accepts uh, Roy for who he is, right? Yeah. And, and they, they grab, like, there's a, a another couple of friends. And they also, like, talk about uh, prejudice and discrimination in, like, the third book. I think uh, Roy is outed, or is it yo? I don't so again, I apologize for mispronouncing, um, gets outed as being transgender from another person within the LGBTQ community and like kind of dealing with that. Uh-huh. They're also dealing with how to um, how to market their brand. They're like, are we marketing this brand towards a certain community or not? And actually I had a quote lined up, <laughs> which is the value of having the book, right? Let's see if I can find my... My chapter break. I legit put a bookmark in this. But I have lost it. Okay, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, Jen says, uh, "What do we make and who for?" That's the question. And uh, one person says, "For LGBTQ people or minorities in general." Um, but if you do that and aim for one kind of person, it could really limit your audience a lot. And uh, the main character says, I don't think so. I, everything I've been putting into my work so far wasn't just me trying to appeal to people as someone who's trans. And I don't think the drive to make it just comes from my discomfort with my body. It's something more than that. How do I put it? Um, and they kind of like talk more about it. And then um, he says, Oh, I think this is maybe somebody else saying this. I wonder why your art, which seems to be at a glance about being freed from gender, resonates so much with us. If it resonates with us, I'm sure it'll resonate with even more people. So I, I felt like it to be really interesting, like them talking out like all of these different um, subjects that are like often like challenging subjects, right? For teens and for adults too. And working their way through it. And I think that was also really interesting because the author is also trans. And it felt a little bit like the author kind of like sharing their own sort of experience too. And their own thinking process through the pages of this book. So I also really appreciate that. But um, yeah, if there is a manga series to read and you want something that is low commitment <laughs> for volumes, they're all out. So you can get them at NYPL. Uh, so Boys Run the Riots by Kito Gaku. You're muted, Frank. Boy, is it boys <laughs> run the riot? You said yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, and that's the name of their clothing Four brand. Volumes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
very doable. Interesting. Oh my god. It's, it's no Anna Karenina at 800 ah, pages. It's very well, doable. Oh, uh, very manageable. Yes. I'll take on the hard stuff, baby. See you. <laughs> well, you just talked about an intense book, though. Intensity. Wow. I feel like I don't know. I I'm in one of those after hearing you talk and 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 after hearing myself talk, <laughs> just feel in this haze of other world worldly haze in a way that books can make you mm-hmm. in um, because I think that feeling is when the, when books make you feel real, something mm-hmm. real and you're sort of half aware that it's also a book that you read between you and your, mm-hmm. the book in your brain. So it's not in the real world, but yet mm-hmm. it's a real feeling. And I, I think the haze comes from that, that magical haze comes from that tension between, oh, I'm actually talking in the real world, but I feel this emotion that was shared with me from this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mine, but yet I'm also in the real world, but yet not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we say this with our with our emotional. virtual meeting backgrounds with the rainy days. <laughs> it, it does make it, see, visuals make an impact because we're mm-hmm. looking at each other in the, with the background of a rainy window and books piled on the cafe table mm-hmm. or and it is rainy today so it's i guess rainy day yeah, feelings too rainy days and mondays yes. always get me down the carpenters baby we'll do like a really bright virtual background next time to see if it changes like a the mood of the course yeah. not as existential i, I do i'll say... be talking about anna karenna my first foray Maybe I'll watch the movie and talk about that. Oh, no, um, I don't want to hear. Someone recommended the Kira Knightley version. And oh, then yeah, yeah, there's older I versions. Okay. Vivian Lee, Greta Garbo, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to watch them till, or if I watch them until after I finish, I want to read the book. Oh, yeah. And there, I've had started, and it, it's, I'm enjoying it. But let's, you know, next time I'll talk about how I've gotten into it. I think the next time. Yeah, the next time we talk, I'll have had the first session of the book discussion program that my colleague is doing mm-hmm. that I'm participating in. So I should come, hopefully, mm-hmm. coherent, organized, presentory. Mm-hmm. Presentory? Uh, ready. Okay. Do you want to, because I know we're about to wrap up, I do yeah. want to say one thing to your previous comments uh, about, like, I think the specialness of books, uh, the specialness of books and art, which I think literature kind of follows uh, falls under the umbrella of art in a lot of ways too is I think that it's like a conduit for this kind of human connection that happens where you can be like alone in your room and you're reading the words of this other person and you're getting this kind of glimpse into their minds and I'm, I think that's amazing like that's there's nothing really like that in life so I don't know I guess it just speaks to the power of books and it's not visual except with the visuals you create in your head so there's an extra meaning to me for that too, because it is created by you in a way in conjunction with the author's words. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're right. I know we don't have time, but I, now I feel like and I was going to pass it by, but I, I want to do a tarot card. Yes. Do it. Um, okay. To, Did you, you I, shuffled it? You knocked no. it. Oh boy. Come All right. On. All right. I saw one, but. You can't. Oh, wait. How are you doing this? All right. You got to calm down. <laughs> no, I'm anxious now because I feel like we're going to get a bad card. I, I, now I'm just curious seeing the mood that we're in, the emotional. I'm doing it the way I do it. Stop telling me what to do. Stop telling me what <laughs> this to is, do. Look, this is, these are not my rules. These are the internet rules. They said salt uh, bath, moon I bath, knock the cards. Out of no one. I'm doing this. Um, ooh. I'll send you a pull multiple cards. By look the at this. Way. It's the six. Okay. The six of swords. Oh wow! Okay. Look at the picture that... with the like. Yeah. Almost like it's all swords. Of, yeah. Let me get rid of this. Ugh, can you see it? Um. Kind of. Oh yeah, I see it. With like two people in a boat, the guys. Oh, I see. Rowing He's... two people in a yeah. boat that are facing away from him, so it looks like almost the river sticks. But <laughs> death on my mind. With six swords mm-hmm. in the boat. So, oh boy, the six of swords, the yeah, it's six. All right, a ferryman carrying passengers in his punt or boat to the mm-hmm. further shore. Divinatory meanings. 
journey by water route way envoy commissionary expedient reversed what does it mean when tarot cards reversed declaration confession publicity one account says that it is a proposal of love if the card is reversed i think it's like when you pull it and you flip it over it's upside down See, now I p- pulled it up right oh, side up. So or when you, okay. Christy said journey by water, point. which is pretty straightforward. Yeah. But so the only real adjective that it gives is expedient and expedience. Oh, so it, wait. So the journey, I will say there was a, a, a metaphor in Boys Run the Riots where the, the, the teens were, I think they were talking about like the metaphor of like being on the ship, like just, just being out rudderless in the ocean or whatever with their brands. And their mentor was like, you need to figure out what your destination is. And then you can build towards that. That's really important for making this business. So maybe it's like related to that. I well, know. I mean, I wanted something more high flown that would make me cry. And then we could leave and in tears Why would you want to was cry? my dream. But um, now that I, now that you say what you just said, I, it uh-huh. also says that Bambi, Bambi's journey was, Bambi, it was a journey to a further shore. It was starting out yeah. an expedient journey to to maturity and mm-hmm. in the way that the book demanded that he become mature. Mm-hmm. Um, he came to fruition in terms of the politics and the feelings of the book. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Bambi diverted. It, the The author had Bambi come to the ideological conclusion he wanted him to come Mm -hmm. to. So it was an expedient journey. The picture was much more evocative with like this hunched over people in the boat. Um, I thought it was going to be like taking them to death land, of course. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I love your little tarot card idea. It's sort of fun. Um, Yeah, I like that we can draw connections. Mm -hmm. Um, Edit this to ribbons. So it's 20 20 tight minutes rather than an hour of rambling glamour. Um, All right. What? You have a final word, baby? Oh, are we still recording? <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. All right, let's go. Uh, Bye. Thank you, everybody, bye. for listening very much, though. I I want to talk more about some comments we got, too, but oh, okay. we'll do that next time. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Librarian is In, a podcast by the New York Public Library. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, or send us an email at podcasts at nypl.org. For more information about the New York Public Library, please visit nypl.org. We are produced by Christine Farrell. Your hosts are Frank Hilarious and Crystal Chen.